Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Amen. Praise God. So glad I can uh, share the word with you this morning. Um, I don't get to preach. I'm going to call it big church now because I've been over in kids church for a long, for a little while now. Uh, and uh, I've been, uh, it's good to come into big church and be able to, to preach. Uh, and, uh, but I love doing it. And I got to tell you, I, I, I like to be a little animated uh, when I preach. And so um, if, if, you know, if you'll be anim- animated with me, we'll get along. It'll be okay. Right. All right. So if you connect with anything that I say this morning, just feel free to praise God. Say amen. Hallelujah. Raise a hand. Throw a flag. You know. <laughs> any and all the above, all right? So let me ask you this this morning. How many of y'all, how many of y'all would admit this morning that you have a they? Like like somebody, like when you see them, you're like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not dealing with them today. I'm talking about like you're at Walmart and they're like five aisles down and you round the corner with your shopping cart. You're like, nope, not happening. And you run up out of there, you just leave your groceries. I mean, I'm talking about like you're at the mall and they're across the way, and you duck into Bath and Body Works. You ain't even been there in your life. You're like, man, these candles smell so good right now. Like, you have a they in your life. Somebody that, like, I don't care who you are. You have, how many did you admit this morning? You have, you have a they. Somebody that you're just like, no, I ain't dealing with them. Okay, good. I'm preaching to the right people this morning. <laughs> the truth is that are they, when they stay at a distance from us, they are, are they. But the truth is, when they start getting close to us, are, we start to find out that are they, whoever our they is, we start to realize that they are just like us. You are not much different than me. And that's the premise of the text that I want to share with you this morning. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of John, the book of John, John chapter 12, we're going to read the text here in just a moment. But as, as you're turning there, I want to mention this. If you like what I preached this morning, I want you to go online to social media, uh, go to Facebook, go to our website, churchonajourney.com, scroll back to September of last year. Because September of last year, I preached a message called Just Like Us. And it was a message about Zacchaeus. And we found out that Zacchaeus is just like us because we oftentimes, we feel small ourselves. And oftentimes we have to, we find ourselves having to push through the crowd, through, you know, the sea of haters to get to Jesus. So if I, if you connect with the message this morning, scroll back to that, because I'm kind of doing a series months apart and you'll see the connection. So I want to talk to you today about another us, John chapter 12. Would you stand for a moment as we read the word of God together? John chapter 12, we're going to look at verses one through 11. Verse one says this. He says, it says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. Some of y'all are getting it. The man he raised from the dead. And a dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus, okay, more of y'all are getting it now, was among those who ate with him. And then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him. I love John. John, I think, is like 80 years old when he's writing this, and he gives you like all these like little commentaries, kind of like the director's cut of a movie, right? Like if you ever want to read a good Bible uh, book, read the book of John, because he's going to give you all these little extra things, these little extra commentaries. John, John is still mad about Judas, y'all. He remembers what happened. He says, you get he says this, the one who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It soon, or it, it should have been sold and money given to the poor. Not that he cared about the poor because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he stole some for himself. John was still holding the grudge. It was 80 years later. Still tripping about what Judas did. But verse seven, Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. 
And when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. I think more of y'all getting it now. The man Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 10, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Every time I read this, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a second here because every time I read this, I don't see this part of the verse. I don't see this part of the story. Every time I read this, I pay so much attention to what Mary did for Jesus that I completely miss what's going on right here. They're trying to kill Jesus, not just Jesus, but Lazarus too. I mean, Lazarus is like, I just came back from the dead. Why are y'all trying to kill me again? Like, what are you going to do to a guy that's already died and been raised from the dead? I mean, what are you going to do? Come on, right? Like, I already been there, bro. I already died. That's why I like some people who have been through some stuff. People have been through some stuff, walk different. People have been through some stuff, talk a little different. They worship a little different. I already died. Kill me again. Okay, let me finish. Verse 11. For it was because of him, Lazarus, that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. It was because of him, Lazarus, that many people deserted them, the religious people, and believed in Jesus. I love Lazarus. I think Lazarus is just like us. Why don't you turn to two people and say, Lazarus is just like us. And then you can be seated. Let's pray over this word this morning. Father God, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, you are the almighty king, the provider, our strength, our healer, all that in a bag of chips. Lord, let your spirit speak into our hearts and in our lives this morning. Amen. Now, I never assume that anybody has a full context of a story that's in the Bible. Because like I just mentioned, I've read this story so many times. I've taught it so many different ways. And it wasn't until this month that I realized what was actually going on. So allow me this morning, if, you'll, if you will, to provide you a sort of narrative of what's taking place. Okay? So what we just read was, spoiler alert, when Lazarus died and was raised from the dead. Sorry for y'all who were waiting to see the movie coming out. Lazarus died, Jesus raised him from the dead. Okay, the man died, raised him from the dead, but that's not all of the story. See, we need to look at more information to see what's going on in this full context to really see how this story of Lazarus and those who are in it are just like us. I love this about the story. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were Jesus' closest friends. I love that, that Martha and Mary, they were like this safe place for Jesus. Like, they were, they were this place where, you know, when Jesus didn't want to do any miracles, when he just didn't want to be Jesus anymore, not like he could, couldn't be Jesus, but, like, he had a place to go, and Martha would, like, fix these grand meals for him, you know, and Lazarus was just his buddy, and they get to hang out together. I mean, like, he, he could just go and chill, you know, and watch some Netflix, catch up on his binge-watching, get away from it all. I mean, like, I love that that's who these people are for Jesus. And one day, Jesus is out there preaching, like Jesus does, And his best friend, Lazarus, gets sick. And so Mary and Martha, being, you know, the good Mary and Martha that they are, they send words. So they send a messenger to Jesus to tell him. And here Jesus is. He's preaching this message. He's preaching the words. He's telling people about the kingdom. And this messenger runs up, and he's trying to tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick. He's trying to tell him, but, you know, Jesus is giving a sermon. Jesus doesn't do what I would have done and been like, you better sit down. I'm preaching over here. Now Jesus, like, stops the sermon, and he says, hey, what's going on? How many of you are glad that Jesus takes time to listen to our needs? The messenger says, so sorry, Mr. Jesus, so sorry. I just, I didn't want to interrupt your message, but I have a message for you from Mary and Martha. And Jesus is like, okay, what is it? And he says, all right, I just want to make sure I get this right. Um, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Okay, and so Jesus responds in a way that only Jesus can respond. You know, he does his little thing, like he tells you something. You're like, what in the world does he mean? And you're like wondering, trying to figure it out. He says, all right, so Jesus replies with this. He says, the sickness will not end in death. It is for the glory of God. Go tell him that. The messenger's like, just want to make sure I get this right, Jesus. The sickness, yes, will not end in death. That's right. It's for the glory of God. 
Okay, got it. The sickness will not end in death. The sickness will not end in death. The sickness will not end in death. And the messenger goes back to the room where Lazarus is. And Lazarus is on the, on the bed. He's, he's laying down because he's sick. He's not feeling good. He's got a fever. You know, they're dealing. So Mary and Martha are close by and they're helping him out, taking care of him. And the messenger runs in. He's like, guess what, y'all? I talked to Jesus and he said, Lazarus wasn't going to die. He's not going to die, y'all. So don't mourn. Don't weep. He's not going to die. Is that what he said? He walked in and told Mary and Martha, Lazarus isn't going to die. And I can just see Mary and Martha just like getting a hallelujah praise. Like, woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He's not going to die. He got a fever right now, but it's going to be all right because Jesus said he ain't going to die. I'm not worried about it because I know Jehovah. He is my provider. I'm so thankful he's not going to die. Come on, don't y'all look at me like that. You know you would have done the same. Don't act like you ain't ever got a word in church and you went on to tell somebody and you just shout and praise, hallelujah, woo, things are going to be great. Only to find out it didn't happen the way that you thought it was going to happen. They start high-fiving each other, you know, but then Lazarus gets worse. I mean, it gets, it gets bad. It gets real bad. Lazarus dies. And Mary and Martha don't have Jesus around. And in true human form, whenever we experience pain, we look for someone to blame. Martha's like, where is that messenger? Somebody better go get that messenger. Go get him. Tell him to come in here. Wasn't he the one that told me that Lazarus wasn't got? Somebody go find that messenger and tell him to get in here right now. Get that messenger in here. And the messenger comes in, you know, with his head down like, like a child who's done something wrong. They want to fess up to it. Like, yes, Martha. <laughs> Didn't you tell me? that Jesus said he wasn't going to die? Yes, that's what he told me. That's not what he said, or he wouldn't be dead right now. You better remember what Jesus told you. You better think and remember what he said. What did Jesus say? Oh, hold on, let me think. Okay, okay, I remember, I remember now. I remember what he said. He said, the sickness won't end in death. What? Yeah, the sickness won't end in death. The sickness won't end in death. The sickness, that doesn't even make sense. Are you sure that's what he said? Yes, that's what he said. The sickness won't end in death. The sickness won't end in death. But death is the end. Or is it? You see, Mary and Martha missed an opportunity to start praising God before they even got to the tomb. End is the operative word in that sentence. And since you're telling me that he is dead, then it must not be the end. So I'm going to give God praise because I know this isn't the end. I mean, I might do the funeral and I know that he may not come back the next day. He may not be back a few days later, but I'm going to give God praise because you're telling me this is not the end. The end is not going to be the sickness. It must not be the end because God is the only one who gets to determine my end. Let me tell you something this morning. Don't you ever put a period where God is putting a comma. He's the only one that gets to determine your end. Not Facebook, not family, not the news. God is the only one who gets to determine your end. But they thought he said that he's not going to die. And Lazarus died. And they were heartbroken. And when they buried him, they were devastated. And when Jesus didn't come to the funeral or the graveside service, and he shows up four days late, it's no longer sadness. It's anger. See, there's a thin line between sadness and anger. And Jesus shows up, not like 90 minutes late, not even like two hours late. Like he didn't stroll into church like 15 minutes late after worship is over. No, he shows up four days late. Jesus strolls into town. He's like, y'all good? I love, I love Martha. Martha is just like us, y'all. Martha, this is the one, remember, she would always prepare the meals for Jesus. She had a fully decked out, full-on feast. Like, anytime Jesus showed up, he was fed. He had all the good stuff. Like, the, like he had the, the full turkey. I mean, he had the stuff in. Like, if it's Thanksgiving, every, the whole spread is there. You know, if it's pizza night, he's got, like, five different kinds of pizzas laid out. Like, everything is there. That's Martha. She was the one that prepared the meals for him. And this time around, this is so good, she doesn't even let him to the house. She stops him at the city entrance. She's so mad at him. She stops him at the city entrance and she says, if y'all don't believe me, go look it up. It's John chapter 11. We're in John chapter 12. Go back to John chapter 11. When you get home, read this whole thing. Okay. I'm just giving you the narrative. Martha stops Jesus at the entrance and she says, 
if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. She was so upset. She was mad at Jesus. And you know why they're upset? Because they're dealing with what we're dealing with. See, what do you do when God doesn't do what you expect him to do? How do you respond? I want you to think about it. How do you respond? I know. This is how you respond. It's not going to talk to you today, Jesus. Mm-mm. See, if you get the quiet time today, not going to happen. Nope. Oh, I know, I know. This is some of y'all. I'm not going to read the Bible today. When I see that verse of the day on the gram, no, I'm just going to keep on strolling. See, if I read your word today, Jesus, nope. Mm-mm. Okay, okay. I know who I know who I know what this is this is really what you do. When you when when you're mad at God, this is what you really do, right? Stop coming to church. Ooh, that'll teach him. That'll teach God. I ain't coming to church. I'm mad at you. Can I just insert a thought that when you're angry with God, don't stop talking to God. Because being a Christian doesn't change what you deal with, it changes how you deal with it. God can actually handle your emotions. God can actually handle your feelings. God can actually handle your pain. I mean, matter of fact, he showed us on the cross how to handle it. Like, he wasn't up on the cross. You know, we, we saw last week, right? He was on the cross. We, we experienced this last week. He was up on the cross. He didn't turn to Peter and say, and the apostles and the disciples. He didn't go, hey, why has God forsaken me? He didn't turn to the, the guy to his left and the right, the criminals, and go, hey, why have you forsaken me? No, he looked to the Father, and he said, God, why have you forsaken me? I'm mad at you, God. I don't understand what's going on in my life, but I'm not going to stop talking to you because I need you. I need you in my life. I can't distance myself from you, God, because I'm mad at you. I need you in my life. I'm not going to stop talking to you because I'm upset. I'm not going to stop talking to you because I'm going through some pain. I'm not going to stop talking to you because you didn't heal my sister. I'm not going to stop talking to you, God, because I'm mad. I need you in my life. Did you know that often the reason people have pain and anger at God, do you know you want to know the majority of the time why that is? The majority of the time is because we never say what we want. I found this out as I was studying the story of Lazarus. Crazy thing. I, I never noticed it before. Mary and Martha never said what they wanted. They never told Jesus what they wanted. Blew my mind when I found this out. I hope it blows your mind this morning. This is what Mary and Martha, this is what they said. You can go back to John chapter 11 look it up. They told the messenger, tell Jesus, the one you love is sick. What is that? The one you, what is what is he supposed to do with that? I mean, you might as well give it an unspoken. Like, that is not a prayer request. Just, just say what you want, Mary. Just say what you want, Martha. The one you love is sick. What's he going to do with that? I think there was something a little deeper going on inside of them that we need to understand, though. The one you love is sick. Lazarus is the one you love, Jesus. So, Jesus, if you don't heal him, then you don't love me. Because I define love by healing. So if you don't heal him, you must not love me. Critical question this morning. How do you define God's love for you? How do you define his love? Because if you're defining it by something that he does or he doesn't do, you will conclude that he doesn't love you. I just, I feel like I need to tell somebody this morning, don't try to narrow the confines of God's love for you. Yes, he can get you a new job. Yes, he can bring you out of pain and sorrow. Yes, he can heal you or heal your loved one. But if he doesn't, has he not already done enough? Easter was last week, the saddest day in history and the greatest day in history all in one weekend. God loved us so much that he came to earth in the, in the flesh and he died on the cross so that we will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from death. The Bible doesn't say that he came to save us from tragedy or to save us from sickness or to save us from grief or pain or suffering. Jesus came to save us from death. And so if he never did another thing but to die for your sins so you don't spend eternity in hell, has he not already done enough? Mary and Martha defined his love by healing Lazarus. And Jesus is forcing them to go a little deeper. You think that because I love him, that I should heal him? Jesus says, actually, I love him so much, I'm going to let him die. 
Matter of fact, I love him so much that I'm going to let him experience something before even I get to experience it. It's something called the resurrection. I know you have defined my love by healing, but there's a whole lot of people that I have healed and not a whole lot of people that I have brought from death to life. So I'm going to show how much, show you how much I love him by letting him die. I'm going to show you how much I love him by letting him be dead. I'm going to show you how much I love him by letting him be so far good and gone that people will think there's no hope of ever bringing him back because I'm trying to let the world know that I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not just a healer. I'm not just a provider. I'm not just a protector. I am the resurrection in life. So if anything dies and comes around me, it can come back to life again. So Jesus shows up on the scene and Mary and Martha are there and he says, show me where you put them. Show me the tomb. Mary and Martha are like, uh-uh. He stinks. Like, Jesus, you should have came over when the situation was fresh. Okay, like if you'd have been here in a couple hours when he died or maybe even 24 hours when we were wrapping his body and preparing him and getting him ready for the tomb, like it would have been all good if you'd have been here then. But Jesus, it's been four days. See, I studied a little bit of crime scene investigation in college, took a couple classes on it, and I watched a whole lot of CSI and TV. So I'm basically an expert, okay? Here's what happens when a body dies. Rigor mortis sets in and decomposition starts to take effect. And so, yeah, depending on the environment and the humidity and the preparation of the body, there was a little stink going on. <laughs> and Jesus shows up and he says, show me where you put them. Show me where they are. And they're like, Mm-mm. nah, Jesus, we're good. We're okay. Because at a certain point, people are good with their issues. But when they start to stink... We're not good with it anymore. <laughs> when it's fresh, you know, we're like fighting for it. We're okay with it, right? Or maybe even when it dies, we're trying to bring it back to life. But when, when it stinks, we're like, mm, just put it over there. Stick it away. I don't want to deal with it no more. Just mm, keep it over there. Not taking you to where it is, Jesus. And Jesus is like, that's why I came. I showed up because I want you to deal with something that's a little bit stinky. I showed up because I want you to deal with something that has a stench of the reminder of your expectations not being met when you wanted them to be met. Where'd you put them? Okay, Jesus, man, calm down. <laughs> it's over here in the tomb. And they go over where Lazarus was buried. And they start to roll this big old stone away. Mary Martha. The Bible never says that Jesus walked over and helped them roll the stone away. So they start, they, they start to roll it away. They start to push on that stone. And you know, it's, it's hard to go back to stuff we buried. You know? It, it's, it's not easy bringing it back up. Right? Like, you got to put a little effort into it mentally. You, you got to put a little something into it emotionally, right? Like you got to put a little something into it spiritually to go back to the things that we've buried. And Jesus, the God of all creation, he knows everything that has happened, everything that will happen. He totally gets this. And the Bible says, and if you want to memorize a verse in scripture, this is the easiest verse in the scripture to memorize. The Bible says Jesus wept. A lot of people misinterpret this because they think Jesus wept because he was mourning over the loss of Lazarus. No, he knew he was going back to raise his, his friend up. In fact, he told the disciples, we're going back. Lazarus is dead. We're going to go raise him. Jesus already knew. He wasn't there to mourn the loss of Lazarus. He was there to mourn with those who were mourning because he understood what they were going through. He took the time to weep with them first. He took the time to weep with them before he raised Lazarus from the dead. And here's the thing. So many people in the church today are trying to resurrect people that they haven't even taken time to actually weep with. Like, you need to feel my pain before you try to raise me from the grave. Don't try to raise somebody. Don't try to resurrect somebody that you ain't ever been felt their pain with first. That's the problem with the church. We're trying to resurrect people that we ain't actually wept with. So now we find ourselves to the good part of the story that I want to narrate for you this morning. All of that was just my intro. So now we're going to get into the message. All right. Matter of fact, I want the band to go ahead and come up because my message part ain't going to take very long. And we're going to close out and have an altar call. 
And then we've got an amazing time that we're going to baptize some kids this morning. So we're going to get to that. But first, let me get to the heart of the message this morning. Jesus stands there at the entrance to the tomb. The stone is rolled away. He doesn't even approach the entrance, doesn't go in. He just stands outside and he says three words. Lazarus, come forth. I love this. I love that Lazarus is just like us. He calls Lazarus by name. Like he could have just said, come forth. But if he did, probably like everything that was buried probably would have came forth, right? He called Lazarus by name. He said, Lazarus. He said, Zacchaeus. Y'all remember? He called him by name. Aren't you glad that we have a God who calls us by name? He knows every fiber in our being. He knows who we are today, this morning, and he calls us by name. Lazarus come forth. Hang on, I gotta. (laughs) Lazarus is dead. First of all, how does a dead man hear? Like, Jesus didn't say it twice. He didn't say, Lazarus, come forth, and then you know, or Lazarus wake up and then Lazarus come forth. He just said, Lazarus come forth. And then all of a sudden, a dead man who's wrapped in grave cloths from head to toe. part of the story that I don't understand. Nobody comes down there to help him. Your boy Lazarus is just like, hello? Hello? Jesus, is that you? It's not my bed. This last thing I remember, I was in my bed. This don't feel like my bed anymore. And Lazarus is there alive, but bound. See, here's the thing. We, we think that people can be revived and not have struggles. We think that people wake up free. No, they just wake up alive. So Lazarus, the thing about being bound, you got to be inventive. Like, Lazarus found a way to get up and to hop out of the grave. And there he was, alive, breathing, but still bound. It's a horrible predicament to be breathing and still bound. Bound by the pain of our past. Bound by negative thinking patterns. Bound by disappointment. Breathing alive, but bound. Matter of fact, some of y'all experienced this this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came to church last week. It was Easter. Some of y'all for the first time in a long time. Some of y'all been coming to church for a while and you came to church, but either way, you, be, you were here last week and you experienced your own resurrection. You did it. Amen. Like because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, he died for you. You decided to live for him again. You did it. You were dead and now you're alive. But then Monday came and you found yourself alive, but not free. what I love about this story. Jesus only comes what he can do and does what only he's going to do. He called Lazarus out of the grave. He brought him from death to life. And he said to Mary, Martha, he said to the church, y'all lose that man and let him go. I brought him from death to life, but now I need to show you that resurrection also happens in community. I need some people to come unwrap him.
sometimes it takes a while to get free. You need to get around him. Help him get the pain of his past off. You need to get around her. Help her get the negative words that her father spoke into her life, her entire life, off. You need to get around them and help them understand that I am the healer and I am the provider and I will take care of their needs and get the struggles off. That's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a place where we can come and take the grave clothes off. Because yes, you might be breathing, but what good is it if you're breathing and still bound? And one by one, they took the grave clothes off. I'm going to give my altar call in just a moment, but I forgot that some of y'all are note takers. It's good to take notes. It's good because, you know, it means you're listening. You're going to have something to connect back to this week, right? So if you haven't been taking notes, now's a good time to grab that pen in the back of the chair in front of you, flip over your bulletin. There's a spot where you can write stuff down because you're going to want to know this. You're going to want to remember this because I want to give you this one in three ways that this story is just like us. Three things that happen where Lazarus is just like us. And can I just give you permission once again this morning? If I say something in these three points and it connects with you, will you just shout and give God praise? Can I, I mean, like, it's okay if you want to like stand and, you know, get a little Holy Ghost dance in your chair. It's all right. Like just give God praise. If something, one of these truths resonates with you this morning, and I'm going to give it to you like this. I'm going to give you what happened to Lazarus. And then I'm going to show you what happens to us. Are you ready for it? Here it goes. Number one, we were dead. Now we are alive. John eleven eleven said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. The disciples thought he was just sleeping. Like he was just, you know, he'll, he'll be all right. You know, when you're sick, sleep, right? You're going to feel better. No, Jesus was like, he's dead. But now I will go and wake him. You were dead, now alive. Colossians 2.13 says, You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Praise God, we were dead, but now we are alive. Point number two this morning. You were alive, but still bound. That one might be a little tough to swallow. But here's the context in Scripture. John eleven forty four 44a, the first part of it, it says, And the dead man, Lazarus, came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Lazarus was alive, but still bound. Here's the truth for us today. Galatians 4, 9 says, But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? See, sometimes the things that we are bound by are of our own doing. Sometimes the things that we're bound by are somebody else's doing. But Galatians tells us, you're known by God. Praise God, you're known by God. So don't go back to the things that bound you before. The third point is this. This is my favorite piece. We were bound. Hallelujah, praise God. Now we are free. Come on, I think somebody in here just needs to give God five more seconds of praise. We were bound, but now we are free. This is what happened to Lazarus. The second part of John eleven forty four said, Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. <laughs> Galatians 5, 1. So good, y'all. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And once again, it tells us, don't get tied up in the slavery to the law. So Christ has truly set us free free. Jesus told them, y'all unwrap him and let him go. Here's my altar call this morning. First and foremost, I need to speak to some people who are willing this morning 
to bear through the stench, to bear through the stink that might be going on in somebody else's life. I need some people who are willing this morning to cry a little bit with somebody, to experience their pain, and to walk with them for a minute in their shoes. Okay? If that's you this morning, I want you to go ahead and come to the front of this. Come to the front of this auditorium. I don't care if it's one, 10, 20, whoever, whoever's willing. You're willing to be here at the front. I want you to just face that way. Because here's what happened. Mary and Martha were standing outside the tomb when Lazarus came out of the grave. Y'all might just kind of fill in the middle here too because I, I think we're going to have some people coming down here in just a minute. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. I think there are some people here this morning who would agree in your own heart that you are just like Lazarus. You've experienced life, but maybe not freedom. You've been through some things and you're still letting some things keep you bound and wound up and you haven't been able to walk in the spirit and to walk in the freedom like Jesus has called you out of the grave to do. These people here this morning are your Mary and Martha's. They're here for you to go through it with you. So here's the charge, those that are up here. Don't start praying with somebody until you hear what they've been going through and you weep with them first. If you haven't experienced what they've experienced, it's okay to say, look, I don't understand what you're going through, but maybe the person to my right or to my left might. That's okay. Or if you say, hey, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're dealing with, but I know a God who does. Let's just pray with him and hope that and pray that he works through this situation them first. It's okay. Like when I grew up, we shed some tears on this carpet, not this carpet, but shed some tears on this altar. It's okay to cry a little bit first. That's what Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus wept before he even called Lazarus out of the grave. It said Jesus wept. So take a minute, those who are up here, when they come forward, take a minute to hear what they're dealing with. Weep with them if, if needed. Stand with them in their shoes for a minute to understand what they're going through. Then, you're not doing what Jesus did. Jesus called them out. What you're going to do is help them unwrap the grave cloths this morning. So here this morning, those who are in the sound of my voice, you're still out in the audience. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here this morning and you've been dealing with the bondage of your past, you've been dealing with pain and sorrow, you've been walking, you're alive in Christ, but you've been walking in bondage, like things that have still been holding you back from the freedom that you know you can experience this morning. I'm here to tell you this morning, I feel like God wants you to know this morning, he is calling you out by name this morning, and he's speaking to you right now, and he's saying, look, if you will just come forth, if you'll just find a way this morning to get up, even in your bondage, to stand up from your chair and come to the altar, you find yourself a way to put yourself in front of me and community, you're going to get free this morning. Because here's the thing about freedom. Freedom takes Jesus and a friend. Freedom happens vertically and horizontally. You can't get free by yourself. I'm tired of Lone Rangers going into their prayer closet and thinking they can come out free. No, you need Jesus and you need a friend. So if you're here this morning, I'm not going to linger any longer. And if you need freedom this morning, I want you to begin to go ahead and step out. Jesus is calling you here this morning. It may be one person, it may be five people, but if you need to experience a little bit of freedom this morning, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the 500th time, you want to come this morning and experience some freedom because maybe this week you've been dealing with a little bit of struggles. I want you to step out. I feel like there's some people in here this morning who need some freedom here this morning. I feel like there are some people here this morning who need to experience the freedom that only comes when we step out of the grave and out of our own bondage. It may not be sin necessarily that you're dealing with. It may just be that there are things that the devil is trying to get you to believe. He's been speaking some stuff into your life, but you don't want to live that life anymore. You want to live by that struggle anymore. So you're going to come this morning. Church, would you come? If you hear the call this morning, come this morning. Those that are here up at the altar, just go ahead and start praying for those that are out here this morning. Those that are here at the altar, begin to surround them.
Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.